everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks respectively throughout their season as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. What's up all you cock and balls and welcome to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. I am forever to the Gamecock and joining me as always is all vol Tyler McDaniel, T-Mac. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, you know, we just had Thanksgiving, time for family to get together and all that fun stuff, and, you know, this past weekend, you know, little brother got a little upset and started fighting and all that, and I'm not talking about my little brother. I saw No, we did <laughs> fine. We did fine. I'm talking about Tennessee's little brother, Vanderbilt. Gotcha, gotcha. Got a little upset and butt hurt and started throwing fisticuffs and all that fun stuff but well, we I mean, will definitely get to that but it's it's the holidays man families fight you they know they do they do oddly enough i spent some time up at true west campground friend of the oh, show nice nice uh, friend of studio 66 friend of tld in general up in jamestown tennessee i went up there early saturday so while the noon slate of games and stuff was going on i was making the drive uh, a very short and rather pleasant drive. Um, the two hours for your first time going up there does seem to take a little bit longer uh, just because of uncertainties and directions and all that good stuff. But all in all, not a bad drive from uh, Sevierville. You're looking at right at two hours to be able to get up there to the campground. They've got plenty of great amenities and everything else. And uh, we had. Is it all on interstate or did you try to take. No. Scenic routes. No. Uh, honestly, you are on 40 uh, just to the 640 okay. uh, exit. Then you take 640 for a little while. Once you get off of 640, you're basically on state roads from there. Which, not as much this time of year, but like a couple of weeks ago, I bet they were beautiful. Oh, yes. Absolutely. The the drive, I mean, even though we no, were No, now actually some... feels like November. Right. Like we had a hot Thanksgiving and Black Friday, but then finally I and was then, like, okay, now I'm November. Yes. Now um, I'm late fall. We'll, we'll actually turn <laughs> off into what would be the, the appropriate this temperatures for this time of year. This is how it's supposed to feel. When I woke up this morning, I was like, oh my God, it's November. <laughs> I was like, this is what it's supposed to be like in November. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it had, like you say, had it been a couple of weeks earlier and some of the foliage still being mm-hmm. on the trees, it would have been even more beautiful drive. But yeah, it takes you up through uh, Big South Fork, uh, the Big South Fork um forest uh um i've been uh, looking forward to going area, up there stuff like that it's and it's a really nice heather and, and the campground and stuff it's it's really nice up there a couple of on-site ponds uh if you have dogs places for dogs mm-hmm. to be able to run around in they've got a secure pen up there that's fenced in to allow them to run around um you can stay in covered wagons uh, i don't think they've got the teepees open just yet that might be something for summer of 2024 but yeah, the covered wagons are really cool. They have uh, climate controlled conditions, heat in the cooler months, uh, air conditioning in the warmer months. And Heather and Timmy have always got something going on. And of course, you've got all the different trailheads that you can access from up there. But no, it was a fun time. And 
Uh, was actually able to get a little bit of football watching in. Nice. Was able to watch a majority of the Iron Bowl while we were doing some turkey frying and everything else. Uh, getting all the fun and festivities going. Had a great dinner. Uh, of course, spent a little bit of time in a turkey coma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and started watching what would have been, in hopes, a, a very good in-state rivalry for Carolina Clemson. Mm. But whenever the first three or four plays from South Carolina end up in turnovers, you can pretty much bank on it being a, a rather bad day. Uh, and since it was on Saturday and we were around family, I didn't want it to to cause me to be yeah. in a negative mood or mindset in any capacity. Thankfully, it was toward the tail end of the evening. I just shut it off and we started playing What Do You Meme and oh, uh, yeah. a few other fun family games for that time of year. So going back and looking at some of the stuff from this game, there were so many things to be negative about. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I didn't wind up watching it uh, because I probably would have been in a very foul mood. While Clemson did not score any offensive touchdowns, the second play from the line of scrimmage was a uh, backwards pass that was fumbled by the running back and deemed as a live ball, and Clemson scooped and scored, and there wasn't even... 20 seconds, 30 seconds off the clock. Mm-hmm. And then just a couple of plays later, on South Carolina's second drive, after <laughs> taking the ball on kickoff to start the game, you wind up getting that play. And then they get an actual offensive play off for you know a good 13, 14 yards. And then the very next play, Spencer Rattler throws an interception. And like I said, at that point, I was just like, nope, not going to continue watching. Uh, But going back and looking at some of the highlights, South Carolina's defense in the last several weeks has definitely improved, changing off of the 4-2-5 and doing more of a a three-down on the line as opposed to the four-down. And it's helped out for the most part. I mean, they have been able to do some really good stuff defensively. And in this game, after that defensive score from Clemson, I mean, they held them to three other field goals. That was it. Mm -hmm. That was the entirety of the game. South Carolina actually managed to score an offensive touchdown. It came at the hands of uh, backup quarterback, still listed as backup quarterback, but also to be able to get the dynamic playmakers on the field has also been playing wide receiver and has at times even, you know, lined up in the backfield to play mm-hmm. running back. Uh, and it was Luke Doty, number six, that wound up with the, the Gamecocks' only touchdown on the evening. But other than that, it just it, – it, it was not what you would hope to have seen from a South Carolina team that was needing to have that win. There was some lackluster efforts and also – some some rather questionable decisions made, especially whenever it comes to the health of a player. And while, I mean, it, it, it's in the intro, it's part of the mantra, forever to thee, uh, I do have a, a little bit of negative thought process until I can get some more information out of it, and I really haven't seen much out of it other than what's on the, the X-sphere. 
social media, and even Twitter, then you have stuff to take like that, that with a grain of salt. And then, yeah, <laughs> even then, all of that stuff has to be, you know, looked over with quite a bit of scrutiny. Is that running back Mario Anderson seemed to have potentially suffered a concussion during the game, uh, was displaying noticeable signs, and then apparently cleared concussion protocol. Uh, and was allowed to come back in and participate later in the game and not entirely sure how how things played out as far as that. So hopefully we don't have a Miami Dolphins to a Tonga Bailoa situation coming out of out of Columbia uh with Mario Anderson because it, it was it was definitely apparent at that point in time um that he was he was not experiencing okay. signs. Uh, uh yeah, after a particular hit. And if you want to go look it up, you're more than welcome yeah. to. But it, he was definitely slung down, and and Clemson came, Clemson came for it. I mean, no doubt the South Carolina ended a lot of streaks for Clemson last year in the the fake Death Valley. Yeah, they uh, and they've and been harboring that for a while. Much like much like Tennessee, yeah. uh, I think it was a situation to where there was no no way around it. But whereas South Carolina was able to take care of Tennessee last year at home, but they went on time, the road and lost. Do you think there was because, like we said, you know, we've gradually like done over the last few episodes. It's like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle after hurdle to get to this game just to become ball eligible. There had to be some fatigue. Oh, absolutely! Just because they had like, been just playing because lights out, these players to have five six days of recovery. Doesn't mean they that get to back yeah. to you know. That by doesn't the time, mean, but week to week they're they're <laughs> game ready week to week. By the time you get to rivalry week, you usually have very little left in the tank. And these most, are athletes. Yeah, most I players wouldn't make it through week one. Yeah, most players are playing at like seventy five, eighty percent or less compared to what they started off the beginning of the season at. There's a lot to be said for heart and determination, but I yeah. mean. The, the heart and determination definitely can, can feel the physicality for only so much. And whenever you go into the home stretch needing to have four victories, I mean, you were already at the point of do or die. Mm-hmm. I mean, being like at I do said, or die while you're running out of gas. Yeah. It's going to take even more out of a kid. And th- these are, you know, these are. But no athletic one, kids younger than us. Yeah. But at the same time, they're human. Yeah. And for sure, no one at any point in time can question the, the determination, the grit of the the Gamecocks players at this point. I am starting to see, and this is, of course, stuff that we'll cons- you know, uh, deal with throughout the entirety of the offseason. Mm. Um, and some have already been decided, uh, and that's different coaching hires, coaching fires, not even necessarily – full-on coaches but members of like strength and conditioning and all that type of stuff um can can wind up finding new homes and and that's one of the names that's definitely in contention at south carolina is the strength and condition strength and conditioning coach uh luke day who has who has an intensity but i think he would do better more as and at this point after you know third year first couple of years some things were going really well but these were also people who had already been in a previous strength and conditioning program 
the the number of injuries that we've had this year and and stuff like that has just been a plague on South Carolina and I don't know if it's a situation to where the the former players went through something more rigorous than what Luke Day was putting them through or the new players that were coming in because it did seem to be like a lot of people who would be in a second or what would have been in the second year of his program and a lot of them wound up being out or injured so there's probably that's that one followed by the uh, defensive coordinator but I think he was able to do enough in the last several weeks to try to at least save his job cool his seat down a little bit yeah and as far as offensive coordinator in his first year actually had the Gamecocks sitting stat wise and I hate that I'm about to say this lower than what Marcus Satterfield had the Gamecocks at last year so do you think it's a hot seat? It may already be for offensive coordinator. And I don't think he's going to be gone now. He's going to wind up getting another season. But the thing about it is, is if Shane Beamer is going to have a future at South Carolina, he is going to have to make some changes somewhere and have some type of positive results in 2024 if he doesn't have any of those results or if he doesn't make significant changes, if the year does not progress like it's supposed to in 2024, then he will have a very hot seat going into 2025. And if significant changes aren't made going into the 2025 season to try to help them in a progressive manner, then he may be out at South Carolina by that point. I hope that's not the case because I know he loves the place. Yeah, I know he has the capacity of being able to extract a lot of, you know, emotion and and to get more out of the players, but but of course everybody is always going to associate you with wins and losses, and if you have nothing but losses or more losses than wins, you're of course not going to be able to maintain being a coach somewhere. No, get that. I personally, like most, whether it be Vol fans or, or any other fan base that have a podcast, would typically like have this mentality of like, I don't care what you do in the offseason. Like, I don't want you competing against us. But <clears throat> when it comes to like SEC teams and stuff like that, it's easier to tell you like who I don't want to see do well. Like, I I don't want South Carolina to beat Tennessee, but at the end of the day, South Carolina is an SEC team. Yeah. And the more SEC teams we have in the top 25 makes us look better as a conference. Oh, for sure. So, even though I'm like, I don't want to see Vandy uh, beat Tennessee, but the fact that they're the bottom of a barrel even with other conferences, like they could be beat by ACC or high school teams. I'm like, at the end of the day, it's black mark on us. Right. So I hope that. But um, every conference has got to have them. And honestly, whenever I was thinking about this this morning, whenever South Carolina was invited into the conference, being Mm -hmm. pulled from, you know, uh, independent ranks, Mm -hmm. 
Um, and after having left the ACC, I just thought it was a situation to where, honestly, the SEC was looking for another punching bag. bottom dweller, mm-hmm. another punching bag to be able to pad stats. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you look at it, it's it's been that way for quite some time. I mean, yes, yeah, some teams have come and gone. I mean, Tulane is one of them. And Tulane, the way they played this year, I'd be like, let's bring them back. Right. I mean, good Lord, they're in the top 25. Let's bring them back. Invite them back into the fold, especially for bringing in Oklahoma and Texas. Right. And then and with those things, I mean, honestly, I would see where it would be a beneficial move, honestly, for South Carolina from a win-loss standpoint to potentially go back to the ACC. Really? Yeah. Why not? I mean, we're still in the same recruiting area. I mean, recruits can still come from the same area. And then at that point in time, you actually are going to be fighting against some people that you would be playing against, especially with... North Carolina. uh, Yeah. Clemson. Going up along the, the Atlantic coast. Yeah. I know a lot of people would hate that um, just because SEC winds up bringing in more money than ACC. As long as you've got some stuff in play and you're getting recognized, I mean, maybe it's a situation where you do go back to the ACC and do well in the ACC as compared to SEC. Hell, I wouldn't mind swapping places with Clemson. Have Clemson go play Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, all these teams next year. Go have them play all them. We're going to have to. Yeah, let's switch places. Bring Clemson to the SEC and see how well they do. And we'll go to the ACC. Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. Why not? It might be a good thing for you. Anything else about the game? Other than that, Clemson final score is 16, South Carolina 7. South Carolina, unfortunately, 5-7 and on the year. Clemson finishes with an 8-4 and four record, of course, going to be going to a semi-decent bowl game. I mean, nothing that that they should be overly excited about, but, I mean, they're probably more disappointed than anything else, but I know that a lot of Clemson fans are not going to uh, have any problem touting whatever they have over the Gamecocks, especially since the Gamecocks did finish one game shy of gaining bowl eligibility, but there is still a potential. Let's say before there it's all are said some and done, five and seven teams that there, go to bowl games. There can be. There are a total of I want to say eighty-two or eighty-four slots. Okay, that would be filled. So it's going to be your six and six teams that will wind up going first. But if you know, more five and seven teams are available than six and six teams and all spots are filled. You go through all the 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 Cause at the end legalities and even though the all six and six teams are invited, six and six and up teams are invited, some six and six teams like decline. They can invitations. decline. There can be uh, NCAA imposed uh, sanctions s- sanctions to where they're not allowed to do any sort of postseason play uh, uh, self-imposed um, you like know to punish ourselves yeah we're not going we're turning it down or we have well not necessarily that would just be the same as just declining the yeah. invite but self-imposed as far as 
we know that internally some rules were broken so instead of the NCAA imposing it on us we're going to self-impose and then not you know yeah. or you know you go back in the Steve Spurrier mentality you know hell no we ain't going to take no 5 and 7 invite to a bowl game we, we don't deserve it yeah yeah, we don't deserve it that was a good Steve Spurrier <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> But yeah, I mean it's 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 that type of situation. I mean, yes, would I think it would be awesome for them to go? Yeah. Could some money. Could it would be some money? Could the younger players uh benefit from having that game experience 100% especially if it's a situation where Rattler decides he is going to go ahead and and he's accepted the senior bowl invite at this point. So I mean, it's pretty much did he walk? Huh? Did he walk at their last He walked time? at senior, yeah. So, I mean, he has a year of eligibility. However, all indications are pointing towards the fact that he is going to be at least attempting to get drafted. Here's what I think. Yeah. And I personally, you know, he's, he's a UT alum. He's a pretty exciting guy. I love the swagger of him. I hate that things have happened uh, at South Carolina this season because I, I like Shane Beamer. Especially if he's, like last season in pre, preseason, doing things like playing hide-and-seek and stuff like, you know, like bring fun excitement back to, you know, because at the end yeah. of the day we've said, uh, these are kids. Let them have fun doing the game. Let them have fun practicing. Let them have, you know, like if we play hide-and-seek this day, you're, you know, let loose, have fun. Guarantee you tomorrow's practice they're bringing a hundred, you know. God, we right. got to play hide and seek, so let's get out there and let's 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 practice. Yeah, let's have fun. So I like Shane Beamer. I can't say fire the guy and bring in a new coach, but what if? And this is also a thing that I think the Hypel should do, possibly. Is there is a young gun at Liberty, Mister Jeremy Chadwell, who I think, if an SEC team picked him up to start out, say, on the off- offensive coordinator side. Right. Assistant coach side of things. This kid has got some talent in his coaching and a bright future ahead of him. So say Heupel or, or Beamer or, hell, Stoops or even Vanderbilt brings in this Jeremy Chadwell guy from Liberty... I think that that is a step that some of these SEC teams that aren't typically in Bama, Florida, Georgia, Missouri, stuff like that, that aren't typically the Blue Bloods. And even though Tennessee is a Blue Blood, I would not hate to see Hypo make like, you know what? Halsley, dude, you know, you're just kind of boring this year. This looked like a Butch Jones offense. I let you call. I gave you, and you just called the same stuff over and over let's bring in this Jeremy Chadwell guy you know if if Beamer were to do it I I guarantee you you would see some exciting stuff because if you have not paid attention uh Jeremy Chadwell at Liberty has done some pretty cool amazing things they've got great um chemistry on their team they've got exciting offense exciting defense keep your eye out for this Jeremy Chadwell guy I would hate for him to stay in somewhere like Liberty and not be bringing some good stuff to the SEC. But 
that might be a direction that Beamer could go. Good possibility. So, if not Beamer, then I would definitely hope that Hypo would, would make the decision to bring to his staff. Because if you have not watched Liberty this, this year, I typically could care less about Liberty. But Jeremy Chadwell has done some stuff at Liberty that I'm like, mm, I don't care about Liberty, but I would not mind to have him. Right. <laughs> speaking speaking of coaches real quick, and we'll go ahead and get on the rest of the slate of yeah. games. Mike Elko to Texas A&M. Originally thought to be Mark Stoops, but the A and M crowd basically shut that down. Said we don't want Stoops. We don't want another capacity. eight. And f- no offense, Stoops has done some great things at Kentucky. Yeah, but he's still an eight and four coach. On average, yeah. A and M doesn't want an eight and four. No, they're they're wanting someone who can who can make a championship team. Absolutely. So yeah, Stoops puts out. Oh no, we're staying here in in Kentucky. It was all but done and the fan base was like no we we don't want this guy provided he had the resources that he had at texas a&m it could have been a possibility to where his work ethic his mindset the way he had kentucky going and the people that are already had a&m yeah player wise could you know have been something beneficial but of course since you're in the sec you're gonna look at the other team that they're you know Oh yeah. Oh, he, he look at what he has. He doesn't have he a doesn't ton have of stuff at, money. at Kentucky. No. Kentucky is I mean yeah, Stoops can come in and say, oh, I guess we're not so much a uh basketball school no more or anything like that, but Kentucky is a basketball school. <laughs> yeah, that comment I was like, Okay, come on, dude. Yeah. You've done some things. And then he's like, cool. and then he's sitting there, and then he says during a press conference, if you want us to win championships, just give us more money. I mean, he's not wrong. And then. Sure, but at the same time. But like, but, the, but the Texas A&M crowd, all the people, the boosters, all that other stuff, they're just like, nah, bro, we don't we don't want students. We're not going to pay $9 million for another 8-4 and four coach. But the thing about it is, is I... I I think Stoops, given the opportunity, could go more than eight and four. He Absolutely. was limited by his resources at Kentucky. Yes, the resources at Texas A and M far, far outweigh the resources at Kentucky. Absolutely. So why why couldn't he? I think he do could. more at Kentucky. Yes, or at Texas A and M. And that's one thing that I absolutely like. You know, there were so many people saying like, why would they, whilst paying a, b- a big big buyout still it's over the course of several years yeah pay another eight nine ten million dollar a year to a coach that only goes eight and four eight and four at kentucky is totally different than what he could do at a&m or even ut for sure like like it's it's with what he has like he has brought with what he has kentucky to some contention those blue blood schools are schools that has the potential year in and year out baked in to where the type of talent, the type of people that come to that program just because of what is synonymous with that insignia on the helmet mm-hmm. or across the chest or you know whatever the case may be as far as that uniform, there's like some baked in, I don't want to say like use of resources again, but there's some baked in goodies and gifts because of those things, because of the alumni, because yes. of the the history, because of these things. And then you've got programs that are, 
I don't want to say fringe of what these are, but they have the capacity, but it's not as likely. Yeah. And and there is a there is a quite a few of those teams, and I mean it's what would be usually your mid tier mm-hmm. teams in any conference. I mean for the SEC right now, that would be your Ole Miss, um, Mizzou. At South Carolina at times, Auburn can be <laughs> at times. Yeah. But then you've got the, the Tennessee, the Georgia, the Florida, the Alabama, the uh, LSU, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ole Miss for the most part. The old guard. That are, yeah, that are the ones that that are those blue blood programs that in you, those if conferences. If you're wearing that, that logo, then... Yeah. There's, there's there's something else extra that comes with it. If but you're wearing you have, the UK logo, you're not thinking like Oh, they they enjoy, they they enjoy basketball. They enjoy basketball. That's cold in their stadium. Big fans of Kroger. Right? I mean <laughs> You know. It's not it, like a holy crap, that's where Peyton Manning went. Holy crap, that's where Pat Summit coached. Right. Oh my god, that's where Nick Saban coaches. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and and but at the same time, Stoops at a place with, as we call it, uh, oil bearing money. I'm telling you, I don't think he's an eight and four coach. I think if he had a, I mean, that's the thing about the A and M fan base that I'm like, dude, you already have a baked in advantage if you get a mind like Stoops, because you have better weapons than Kentucky has, or had. So if he can do what he did with what they have, imagine what he could do for you. But, again, at the end of the day, this is coming from a guy of a fan base who literally rioted in the streets of Knoxville when we got wind that we might, might hire, oh, what was his name? I mean, we there was couches on fire and everything. Uh, a good friend of my older brother Christopher John, he led this riot. Hmm. Greg Schiano. Oh yes. When yes. that was a on the short list name, we took to the streets. So I'm not gonna judge the A and M fan base because we alone know that passion and like, no, that's not who we want. We're not saying you should let us pick, but we definitely are. We're going to tell, tell you, you who we, we don't, don't want. want that guy. Yeah, Schiano. You know, when they were thinking about that, we were like, he literally knew of terrible things happening to players and kept his mouth shut. Yeah, and we like, don't we want don't that want type that of... that here. Yeah. So, I, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm like, I do think a mind like Stoops with the weapons that A&M has... It could definitely it could be more definitely than be better than 8-4. and four, But again, you're the fan base, you know the team. <laughs> right. So, who's, who's the favorite? Oh, it's already done. It's Mike Elko. Okay, already done. That was quick. Yeah, uh, Mike Elko to Texas A and M, and um, Jeff Lebby to Mississippi State. Okay, and then their athletic director gets fired. A and M's or Mississippi State's? Mississippi State's. I would probably hired do a new, the same thing. They hired a new head coach at Mississippi State. I'd probably get rid of the AD too. Fired the AD. I mean, I'm just curious as to see what's going to happen with these teams next year. I know Texas A&M is still going to be on the Gamecock schedule. Uh, Mississippi State is not. Yeah, yeah we'll it'll see. be interesting. And speaking of uh, these these two 
programs, let's go ahead and touch on the <laughs> the A&M LSU game. A game where I believe the official cocky top favorite proved yet again why he's the official cocky top favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Jaden Daniels, absolutely 100%. Number one pick in our eyes. His stat line for this game even, going up against one of the toughest defenses apart from Alabama that mm-hmm. they faced throughout the entire season, 16-24, 235 yards, and four touchdowns. And then on top of that, and it was the last opportunity that he had to be able to make a case for his Heisman yes. you know, candidacy, as yeah. it were, um, because they're not playing in a conference championship. They'll get a bowl game, but that doesn't guarantee he's going to wind up playing. Yeah. Let's add on top of that 16 to 24, 235, and four touchdowns, another 11 carries for 120 yards, a long of which was 49 yards, but unfortunately didn't get any uh, touchdowns on the ground in this game. Aw, oh, poor guy. He still <laughs> ran over 120 <laughs> yards for the game, amassing five sixths. Just to throw out a, a, a randomly odd fraction there of what the team's entire rushing total was, 154 yards for the entire team, he accounts for 120. D- d- give it to him now. No voting. No, no nobody him. votes. They should have just this walked guy. out at the end of the game and went like, I you know what, we I, don't have to do this yeah, whole thing, I this don't whole care. show. We don't have to do it. Here's your membership to the house for the commercials next year. Here's the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I don't. I don't care who Bo Nix is. I don't care who Michael Penix Jr. Jr. is. I don't care. They had some great games. Jaden Daniels is him for the Heisman this year. Absolutely. And if it's not, then I'm telling you, a travesty. (laughs) This will be the biggest screw job (laughs) since the Montreal. Since the Montreal screw job, where Brett screwed Brett. Where Brett Hart (laughs) screwed Brett Hart. Yeah. Final score in that game. 42-30. 42-30. to 30. There were times to where it looked like Texas A&M, they definitely had new life and have had new life since the, the departing of Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. But it still was not enough. Not enough. They're going to be able to go bowling, uh, finish with a 7-5 and five record, 4-4 four mm-hmm. record in conference. LSU finishes up 9-3 and three with a 6-2 and two conference record. Malik Neighbors, finalist for the Blitnikoff. Mm-hmm. And just to go back a little bit, I mean, if we're going to talk about the uh, that particular award, Xavier Leggett's in the top five for that one right now uh, from South Carolina, uh, South Carolina receiver. A Heisman and a Bolitnikoff winner, potentially, uh, yeah. with that combination on that yeah. team. Whoever it is that they draw, I mean, it's going to be one hell of a – uh, a bowl game, mm-hmm. and we'll definitely wind up doing all those lineups, and we'll oh, yeah. probably absolutely uh, be previewing the uh, uh, conference championship games coming up mm-hmm. this Thursday, and then of course going through bowl games, going through playoffs, and everything else, and uh, then of course we'll get into all the off-season stuff, talking about yeah. uh, moves, hires, fires, hires, moves, yeah. Yeah. all of those fun things, uh, and the transfer portal. Gosh, the transfer portal opens up next week. Oh, yeah, there'll be so, a lot of conversation about that. All kinds of stuff, yep, going on. But about the other program, Kentucky versus Louisville. I was shocked I was with this one. We both had Louisville over Kentucky in our picks. Yes, thought because that it we was, just thought that it was a given. I, I did, I did, one hundred percent 
Scores tied late in the game. Ray Davis. He's been MIA for a little while. Really didn't have much anything going on no. in the South Carolina game. Or the Tennessee game. Uh, and then you you wind up seeing a post from him. Like, he's like, I thought I was the bell cow. Look at what happens. He winds up getting the, the game-winning touchdown on a on a 37-yard breakaway run and gets the the Wildcats to victory over their, their in-state rival, the Louisville Cardinals. Cardinals, however, are going to the ship. I mean, they're going to the ACC championship to face Florida State. Florida State. Yeah, it's Florida State, Louisville in the ACC championship. Yeah. Louisville finishes with a 10-2 and record for regular season play. And then from there, I mean, even if they do wind up losing that game, they're still going to wind up with a decent bowl game having 10 wins. And hopefully somewhere somewhat warm uh, because I know the folks at Kentucky are going to want to definitely get out of that cold-ass state mm, uh, for a little a while. Uh, and this one was you. actually in uh, Louisville. So Kentucky come on the road and had had some troubles on the road and then was able to get a big one uh, there mm. at the end of the season. Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere. That's when my whole world changed. Pills for the pain, medical bills insane. I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done. Call 546 You're in pain, yeah, we got you. You can't pay, yeah, we got you too. Boom. Turn your wreck into a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom. Turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now. Call OEB Law. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, uh, not so much a bowl game as it were because a majority of the other games would be listed as bowl games as it yeah, were. Yeah, we, uh, we don't do anything with them. I've, I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I think we should, you know. I think we should have an interstate. And maybe it's because they're like, there's not really competition. It's, it's so one-sided. Yeah, like if you look at the long-term record, like it's so one-sided. There's Why make it a thing? So everybody knows third Saturday in October <laughs> is Alabama, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Why just have a name for it? Why not actually have a trophy, trophy of sorts? To win the third Saturday. I mean in it's October. like the the long forgotten or, you know, long since removed uh, oh, the bourbon the barrel. Yeah. The beer barrel. barrel. Yeah. Yeah. For Tennessee, Kentucky, why not why not have something other than oh, it's the third Saturday in October? I mean, that's... Because no other games... That would be more worth doing than Tennessee-Vandy Interstate. Yeah. Bowl or championship title or something like that. Uh, Yeah, I think a third Saturday trophy would be pretty cool, and it would add some more marketability to it. It would add some more prestige to that feud. Would you think a game against Memphis would be more 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 worth it yes more of a a a battle than the east versus west yeah i'd pick memphis more because even though vandy's like you know they're in the sec and they've been there for a little bit and they're vanderbilt and they cure cancer and solve all this stuff tennessee versus memphis would mean more and be more of a thing because memphis is a better football team than vanderbilt yeah, maybe that's something that Tennessee needs to, yeah. or fans need to, to petition for. To petition for is to let's let's, let's put do it east aside. versus west. We know that that we can take care of Vanderbilt at any point in time. Yeah, 
let's get some other in-state competition. I know we can take care of MTSU. I know we can take care of Chattanooga. I know <laughs> we can take care of ETSU. <laughs> but we've let's, never really played Memphis. Yeah, that's, you in know. football, it's just not, we typically don't. Tennessee plays Memphis, but they play in Nashville. Yeah, play play at Nissan. Yeah. Meet in the middle and play for a trophy every year, once once every year. Battle of the state. Yeah. East versus West played in the middle. East versus West played in the middle. That's I think it would be uh, smart and really cool. However, speaking of little brother, uh, this game we went to it. It was uh, siblings. All the siblings used the ticket, and uh, we went and we tailgated and we had fun and thought that this was just going to be uh, just a fun, interesting, chill time. But as I said in the opening, after years of frustration <laughs> and in-game frustration, little brother had had enough, and he started throwing punches. So being there live, I can tell you, what happened was, so if you were a coach or a player, do you play till you think the play is over or till the whistle blows? It's supposed to be until the whistle blows. You play 110% till you hear the whistle. The problem with some things that happened in this is the Vanderbilt quarterback and offensive line two times in a row knew they made a mistake, but the whistle didn't blow. So two times in a row, without the whistle blowing, our defense just piled right into their quarterback twice in a row. Once sandwiched him, boom. Knocked his ass down twice in a row because the refs didn't blow him dead. Kind of like they sometimes tend to do these days. They were going to let it play. You let it play. They were going to let it play. Well, Vandy was like, oh, we messed up. Stop the play. Mm, they didn't blow the whistle. So our defensive players doing what they're taught to do just went on through and probably thought to themselves, like, dang, we got through real quick. Like, some, some good pushing. On our part, you know. So, I mean, were they like false starts? They were false starts on Vandy, but they didn't blow the play dead. No whistle blew. Vandy just kind of stopped, realized they false started and stopped. Hiked the ball, he realized that he false started, and our guys just went. One time, one guy laid him out, and then they blew the whistle, threw the flag, false start, took him back, did it again, didn't blow the play dead. They went and realized they did it again, and then he got sandwich with two big big boys and one of their o-line members threw the first fist at one of our guys that hit their quarterback he stayed down frustrated the o-line member threw the fist and this whole massive brawl breaks out like i'm talking it was definitely one of many fights that would have occurred throughout the 90s this weekend mlb bench clearing baseball fight happened oh. in Neyland Stadium. And at one point, after the first one, before they called the second one, they called us a, fl- a sideline flag on the coach. This coach literally, like, pushed a ref. The head coach should have been thrown out of the game. In any other aspects, and, and yeah, I'll even say it, if Heupel had done that, they'd have been like, oh, it's Tennessee, throw them out. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Vandy, they're upset. They cure cancer. They send people to space. You know, <laughs> we'll let their coach get mad. Like nudges him and like I was like, dude, throw him out. 
Make an example. Right. That's out. That's unruly. That's it's embarrassing. That's ridiculous. Then the bench clearing fight happened, and so you know how there's um, in the middle of a field. There's midfield here where all the logos are. Well, a few yards past each logo is a hash. Yeah. The away hash and the home hash. You don't cross the hash. Their entire bench, along with like strength and conditioning coaches, crossed our logo over to like, yeah, like it was this big, and we're just sitting there going, oh my God, oh my God, I've never seen like something like this in years. It was a bench clearing fight. Vandy's swinging at people. Like we're, we're backing up. I mean, yes. We don't have any more games to be suspended from. Like, Let's just go ahead. Let's and just roll, baby. I mean, this looked like a, a big old hockey brawl. Uh, I, I highly recommend, if you did not watch that game, uh, to look that up on YouTube, the bench-clearing brawl that happened at Tennessee and Vandy this past weekend. Um, the way that they came over to our side and was even coming into our – some of them were making their way to our coaching staff and to our other players that weren't even on the field in anger and swinging and all that. Half their bench should have been thrown out of the game. Right. Any other day, you make, and if you have to throw out our two players that fought back, throw them out. Right. Make a statement. Those refs looked terrible. A, trying to get a hold of the whole thing. I'm like, dude, if you have to throw our guys out too because of fighting, but make a statement so that no one else does this again. You looked weak. The refs sucked anyways they, on both sides. They they made some terrible calls against us. They made some terrible calls against them. And alone, and you also let a brawl happen? Yeah, something's going to have to be done concerning like, officiating just in general across the looked, entirety of the league. It was embarrassing. We were just like, we were embarrassed for them because they're little brother. Right. We were embarrassed for the rest. We were like, I mean, do you get... What's going on? Throw these people out. Throw our, and then and then I kind of looked over at our sideline and saw Hopple with his hands on his side, just like like the the southern mom at the just, cookout, just embarrassed that their kids acting that way, not spanking their butts, not getting in the brawl, just like I just, I just can't believe they act that way. And my older brother goes, Hopple, get angry. Good God, I'm not telling you to go punch their coach, but like you're just. Right. Mm. Get this out on ridiculous. the field and get your players under control. Get, get them, angry. Yeah. Act up. Stop just waving your – like, come on, get them back, get them back. It's ridiculous. Get out there, grab your players, and pull them back. Yell at them. Sit them down. Throw them out of the game yourself. Say you're done for the night. Yeah. Get angry, my man. And I was just like – that's the first time I was like, ooh. Hoppel might be a pacifist. <laughs> the, 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 I wanted to see a little fire from him. Like, right. Pruitt would have been out there punching the other players. <laughs> the, the difference, the, the differences that you see in, in coaching. I mean, their coach was ready to fight another ref, and ours was just, well, they're not getting snacks after the game, I'll tell you that much. Right. I just, we're going to talk to them. We're going to have a talk. We're going to have a talking to. They're going to sit in the corner after this, I'll tell you that much. We were just like, loud. he's not even getting angry during a fight. Right. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> um, 
But like, I mean, yeah, you want to you want to see an even keel, even headedness to a coach. I but I mean, heat. if there's something like this going on, there needs some to anger. be some fire, even at your own players. Get fired up. Well, Get speak, angry. Speaking of other fights throughout the the league or the conference, uh, the number of people fighting during the the Missouri Arkansas game yeah was insane and multiple of those actually did get ejected uh, three players got ejected two Arkansas and one well, uh, see, that's the thing. player before we get to that yes final score 48-24 we spanked them they kept throwing the the personal foul flags cuz like even after the big fight Vandy would purposely do things just to like cuz they were still angry because, A, they didn't throw these players that fought out of the game. Their coach didn't punish them by sitting them. They still played with frustration and anger. So they would do cheap things. Oh, trying to hit low. Trying, trying to, to hit low. And they th- they can, yeah, they threw flags. But, like, okay, if you're just going to throw flag and not actually punish them, right. they're going to keep doing it. So make a the- statement. And then you're going to have people, oh, it's rivalry week. We're oh, just going to let this stuff weekend. play out. They're frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. Oh, no joke. <laughs> Dude, I mean, some of the stuff that I wound up seeing, like the 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 play that led to potentially Mario Anderson's concussion, I mean, he was wrapped around the waist and basically German suplexed. Really? Yeah. Which is illegal, an illegal maneuver. Yeah, and didn't get called. I don't think it got called. I, like I said, I haven't gone back and fully watched everything, but I don't think that got called. It's insane. There were Clemson defenders were trying to make tackles mm-hmm. that were intentionally harmful tackles based on the situation. Yes, like clipping and stuff like that. So a situation where Xavier Leggett catches the ball out on the flat, he goes up to make the catch and is in the process of coming back down and instead of being wrapped up or wrapped up around the waist the Clemson defender shoulder leads straight into the thigh Uh. and then flips Leggett over while he's in air so I mean he's in the process of coming down about to like make contact with the ground and you watch the Clemson defender couple of yards out already starting to go low and then tucks the arm down to go ahead and do a full shoulder lead and then just flips Leggett end over end in air one of those things and that looks like, like uh, I'm not tackling him I'm, I'm taking his career it, it that's the, what it looked like and I mean and it would have been a situation because he was in a defenseless position oh that he could have been just wrapped up and taken down and then just yeah, laid down. But no. They waited until he was about to hit the ground and then... In a very precarious position. Yeah, and then just slam right into that thigh. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, and that's the other thing. It's like, I am a football fan. And I love the game. But when are we going to start? Like, we were watching the... Uh, on Thanksgiving evening, we were watching the Dallas game. The Dallas State, which... Go Cowboys. <laughs> the Dallas defense got to a, a running back and, like, didn't take him down, but, like, pushed him back a little, and the whistles blew. Yeah. Like, just kind of like, all right, play's dead. 
Yeah, the, no opportunity for the running back to be able to do anything. Some anything. more forward move, no opportunity for us to strip. Just like, all right, they stopped him. And Madison was even like, that's it? It was like, oh, pro players are so protected. Every position is so protected. At, yeah, at this I'm level, like, it's they, like. They'll stop tackles. Like, all right, you stopped him. Okay, next play. Yeah, I'm like, forward it's progress so is crazy. Stopped, then they're done. The pros has become such a watered-down version of the game. But here in college, we're still like, ah, let sew the leg out. back on. Let, 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 put the leg in the cooler. We'll be all right. And now that they are NIL-paid employees, right. you're going to start seeing people start advocating for, like, then protect them. Yeah. Pro players are protected. Yeah. Like there are times why, in some of these why, tackles, I'm like, they should have blown that play down. There there are very few rule differences between collegiate and professional. Why why can professional referees or pro referees get all this stuff with no problem mm. yet if, collegiate referees if a little bit of progress was stopped in college and the referees blew the whistle and be like, all right, play's over. Audiences would be like, wait, no, it wasn't. Yeah. He was still fighting. He's still standing on his legs. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. But in pros, that happens, and people are just like, all right, next play. Yep. If you did that in the game, SEC fans especially would be like, let him play. He was still moving. So it's a slippery slope. You know, do we protect these players and make it as – as uh, watered down and strictly in enforced as pro football is now? Well, in some aspects, pro football should probably be going and changed over to flag football. And, yes. And after the Olympics, whenever they do have flag football in there, I mean, there is a potential that, you know. <laughs> That's true. If you actually wind up hitting someone in any capacity like that. That was not. Don't do that. Yeah. Is this is football. No, this ain't NCAA. This is NFL. You we don't act that flag. way. <laughs> you yeah. got to pull their flag. <laughs> and that's something that I need to look into as well. Like, I haven't really, like, fully figured out how your, your linemen and stuff like that are going to work. Like, okay, I'm going to pull a, a, a defensive end, and he's going to be a, a, a fullback for me on this one. Do I have to actually put, you know... Uh, uh, a flag on him. I know. Do I have to put a flag on him? And then also, even the defender. Does the O line have flags? And if they get pulled, they have to stop blocking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> put their hands up. Like I'm done. And then, and then also beyond that, like say you get into a a, a, a brotherly shove or the tush yeah. push type play. Yeah. Like how does how does it you get into something like that? How does it get determined? You know. Like we we can't get to their flag. Well, yeah, you're you're in this mass and you're trying to reach up and under and around and everything else to be able to, like, are you not going to have any kind of draw plays? Not and and exactly. that being said too, if you're going to have that instance, I mean, if you've actually got full on lineman blocking, I mean, all they'd have to do is as the running back goes to run by, you can't tackle them, but just to be able to grab that flag, I mean. I don't know. That's going to be easy as can be. Breakdown to see. The only thing you're going to be able to do is sweeps as far as runs. You can't actually do gap runs or any kind of gap <laughs> scheme just because of the fact that 
Well, we can't even get to a flag. He's fast. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're right. You can't even attempt to grab a flag unless someone has the ball in their hand. I don't know. It'd be interesting in the off season. We can we can have some episodes discussing rules, the differentiation between NCAA and NFL and stuff like that. True. But there is, we are going to see a different a, a change. I think soon, especially with NIL. So speaking of fights, let's get to that that Missouri Arkansas game because oh. like Arkansas had to know. Is Missouri, right? We ain't got a chance. And they're playing. Did someone punch drink? No, Darn. and that would have been fantastic. Had that actually happened, Harrison Mevis, though. <laughs> I mean, the the thicker kicker, as it were. And he walks so weird, like with pads and everything else. He's it's like he's just learned to fully stand up from doing the gorilla, <laughs> po- you know, walk. I mean, because he's still, like, leaned hunched over and his arms are, like, brought in and, and like, hanging down yeah. forward. And he's, he's like, he's trying to walk around like, I'm this big alpha male. You're a kicker, bro. You come on, bro. I mean, any of your linemen. Mavis, whatever just, your name is. But, I mean, he does have a good record. And he has been able to, you know, kick under pressure and stuff yeah. like that with no problem. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, it just turned into another uh, Brady Cook Luther Burden show, yeah. to be honest. And and for that matter, Cody Schrader, uh, running back from Mizzou, twenty-seven carries, two hundred seventeen yards, and a touchdown. Bro just took over the game. He was running all over the place, and a a a really good story, honestly. I mean, come in as a walk-on. It was a situation to where uh, there was this donor for Mizzou was like alright I'll cut you the check but you gotta give my boy a walk on opportunity and that was Cody Schrader and it panned out yeah they're happy they did it now yeah I mean <laughs> Drinkwitz is much of a uh, uh, I don't want to say derogatory terminology about <laughs> someone in that capacity but yeah he's glad that he had that drink he's glad that he gave this person an opportunity because he got a hell of a running back, uh, someone with some killer work ethic. If nothing else, I mean, Cody Schrader has got some fantastic work ethic. Mm-hmm. This may be just a, a, a blowing smoke or whatever the case may be, but one of the stories that I did see coming out of this game is the fact that some of the other coaches, including Drinkowitz, um, had to tell him, you're going to graduation whether you like it or not. Because graduation was supposed to be during some underclassmen practices and stuff like that. And he didn't want to go to graduation. He wanted to go practice. So they forced him to go to graduation. But after graduation was over with, he was out on the field in full pads by himself going through drills, going through uh, his own walkthrough and everything else for the games and stuff like that, just on his own. How old is he? Uh, 22, 23, I want to say. Somewhere around in there. But yeah, I mean, he's someone that's definitely going to wind up having a good pro day and everything else and and will likely get picked up late first round, early second nah, round. I, I want him to if go. If not, to, early first round. I'd love for him to go to Vegas or Dallas, but with our luck, someone like Green Bay will get him. Well, they need to get somebody right now because Aaron Jones <laughs> is garbage. <laughs> He can't stay healthy for squat and hasn't been able oh, to do anything. Oh, and poor uh, Panthers coach fired after 11 games. They fired him this past weekend. 
Yeah, uh, Ron Rivera let go of his OC and DC. Yeah. Yeah, it's no. it's that time of year, that man. Time of year. Coaching carousel has yeah. fully begun. Um, but as we figured, Missouri did take care of Arkansas yeah. with no problem. Final score in that one, 48-14. to 14. Um, The other two games as far as SEC games that didn't have the, the, the name or the word bowl attached to it, unless you want to call this one the toilet bowl, just because of where it took place and who took place in it, uh, that being the Florida State-Florida game, because I know how much you love oh. the Gators. But, yeah, both teams playing a backup quarterback, and they actually switch dynamics completely. Uh, Florida State going into this one had more of the scrambling, Mm -hmm. more your dual threat type quarterback, and Mm -hmm. then made the swap uh, due to injury over to a true pocket passer, while uh, Florida, on the other hand, went from a pocket passer to a scrambler to a a dual threat QB. Um, but in the end, uh, Florida State wound up having the better team or had the team that just played much better that day with a final score of 24-15, to 15, now putting Florida State at 12-0 and 0 on the season. Completely perfect throughout the entirety of the year, including a victory over LSU early in the season, which sent them, of course, on the trajectory that they're on. And if they take care of Louisville like they're expected to do this weekend coming up with no problem, then they are going to be one of the four teams in the playoff coming up. And Florida Gators are going home, not bowling. Yeah, the Gamecocks and Gators barbecue them up. (laughs) Let's have some uh, barbecue chicken and some barbecue gator uh, because they are done uh, for the most part for the season. And honestly, in this situation – if it did come down to a 5-7 and seven team from the SEC East getting the potential to go to a bowl game, I, I Florida would, would deserve it more so, honestly, in my opinion, than South Carolina because they do have the head-to-head victory over them. But I don't know how that dynamic would work. Yeah, I don't, I don't I really know how don't. they do that stuff. Like, I would imagine they would be like, okay, let's go ask a 5-7 and seven team. Well, before we go to the SEC, let's ask one of these – ACC or independent. Let's ask one of them. It'd well, be better for them. It'd be a bigger moment for them. The thing about it is, is you also look for got, a story to tell. Well, you've also got James Madison, and you've also got CMU. Or there's two teams right now that because they have just made the transition over into the FBS level, mm-hmm. that they're technically due to whatever rules in the NCAA NCAA regulations. That they're not allowed to participate in postseason in your, play in your first year. In your first, I think two years. Why? I have no I don't idea. Get that. that is just ridiculous. James Madison belongs in a good ball game, especially with the record that they've had this year. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, one of those teams should should wind up taking precedence over that even a six and six team. Honestly, is crazy. But because of reasons. Well, you know, they're not going to be able to do to. better than our people who've already we've been here for a long time. Fun story that come out of this one, uh, other than the fact that Florida did lose, <laughs> and I know that you're uh, happy about that, is that police eventually were involved after Florida man. Oh no! Uh, actually, two everyone's uh, favorite superhero. Two or three uh, Florida State players were caught um, with scissors 
cutting up part of the turf on the logo in the swamp, taking pictures with it, and I'm assuming tried to sneak or get the pieces of the turf out after the game. <laughs> but yes, police had to come over and get involved and basically tell them, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you think they came with scissors? I don't know how. They walk up to I don't know what that does. About the audience right. got scissors. <laughs> or the, somebody somewhere, or they got like uh, out of the medical bags. Yeah, they, yeah, they looked like down somebody ran to the med bag. There's some scissors right There's there. There's some little rubber, rubber handled orange elementary school scissors in that bag over there. Let's go get us some of that grass off that gator. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and of course, I'm sure that there were some. God. Some negativity about that one. I Jeez. just thought it was hilarious of the fact that Florida men get Florida men. <laughs> get reprimanded for using scissors in the middle of the field to cut up the Florida Gator logo and take chunks of the turf home with them. I had to stop a an arson this past weekend. Oh, I I saved a rape victim. We stopped a bunch of ball players from cutting the grass at, <laughs> down at the swamp <laughs> down in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Oh. Oh, oh, well, good job. Good job. The main surprise, I guess I should say, for this weekend... Like, had Florida to be the, had everything to spoil. They did, and it was a On close... On paper. It was a Florida-led 12-7 to 7 going into the half. Yeah. You come out of the half, they wind up getting another three. <laughs> then Florida State scores... To bring it within one point, and then in the fourth quarter, they just well, and they would have been more insufferable. It. They could have been like, we could not go to a ball game, but we are the one in eleven and one. Like if right. Florida won, yeah, if Florida we are won, the one, all you would hear is, "Well, we're the ones, we're the one in eleven and one." Yeah. So, I'm. That's another reason that I'm like, I don't like Florida State either. I could care less. We. we we beat them years ago in the the national championship, but Florida would have been insufferable. Well, we're the ones. No one else could. We did. Right. No one else, but we did it. We were the one. Speaking of number ones, Ugh. for the third year in a row, Georgia <sighs> undefeated throughout the entire regular season maintained a perfect home and away which they only had four away games this year yeah imagine that um they'll have three next year is actually had to in a sense fend off a late surge Mm -hmm. from georgia tech to be able to maintain that uh flawless victory as it were final score of 31 to 23 and now has its 29th straight win, full-on tying Alabama's record. And if they beat Alabama this next week, they set the new record at 30 straight wins in a row. Hmm. It's insane. And, of course, should they win that game... Even if they lose that game, I think it's going to be hard to to pull them out of top four, the top four, and playing for a spot. And and at this point, I honestly think that it is going to be Georgia versus Washington 
or Georgia versus Oregon and Michigan. Florida State versus Michigan. Michigan's going to beat Florida State. Georgia's going to beat Washington. You think Michigan's going to dethrone? And it's going to be Georgia versus Michigan for the national championship. And at that point, I those are the two best teams in the country. Let them fight. For real this year. Yes. Those are the two best teams in the country this year, and we will see if Georgia can make history and go for a three-peat. Ryan Day knows that from this past weekend. Yes, or if Michigan upsets the Ducks. Or, or if Michigan creates history and is able to dethrone the Georgia Bulldogs. Without their coach on the field. No, he's there. Oh, is he back? It was just the regular season God, that would have been... Uh, um, Speaking of, a uh, comment from Harbaugh. You say welcome back, it's like I never left. So, Georgia wins, but let's talk about... Uh, the traditional egg bowl that happened the, this past Thanksgiving. The the bowl games before the bowl games. Yeah, bowl games before the bowl games. Uh, uh, this a one timeless tradition. On, yes, this one happening on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know it. You love it. It is the egg bowl where Ole Miss takes on Mississippi State. Ole Miss did travel to Mississippi State this year, and it was a bit of a slobber knocker, honestly. Yes. Very low-scoring game. Ole Miss should have scored a lot more than they did. Yes, several self-inflicted wounds during that one. Will Rogers throws for 207 yards, and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, it's not officially official yet, but more than likely, if he decides to play for one more year, he's out of Mississippi State. He's going somewhere else. He'll transfer. Where? I don't know. But he's definitely going somewhere else. Ole Miss finishes the year with a ten and two record, six and two conference record. Their only two losses, Alabama and Georgia. So Ole Miss, in this sense, would be taking third in the SEC, respectively. Second in the West. Uh, I don't know. West. It depends on what happens with Mizzou. I don't know how you would be able to put Mizzou above or even below. They're tied for third. Yeah. I mean, it may come down to the bowl game, to their respective bowl game, as to who, who takes finishes second, who takes third. in that position for the, the SEC standings. I saw the post-game comments. Kiffin said that he really missed Mike. Yeah. He said that it was a weird. It was first year without him. and The Egg Bowl not having yeah. Mike Leach in the last several years. And yeah. that's especially if the for the post game interviews. He said that's when I miss that's when I miss him the most. Is this will be the egg bowl. Egg bowl. Yeah. It just the conversations with yeah. Mike Leach. Before we get too emotional uh <laughs> in wrapping up this show, the game that probably has the or that is the most unpredictable game. Yeah. It seems like whenever no it comes down to... each team stands, it's the most unpredictable game of the year. Ten years ago, yesterday, yeah, kick six. The kick six. So they were hoping for God. some ten-year anniversary of that potentially happening. I watched the kick six happen at the Gnome here in Sevierville. But the place went nuts it that night. It was crazy. And I was like, I didn't care. When I came into this game, right? <laughs> I was like, but now but, I'm vested. Whoa! I'm fully invested in this. 
Alabama, of course, does eventually get the win, 27-24, to 24, but this was a back-and-forth game, back-and-forth, back-and-forth. It got down to the last seconds. Literally it was in seconds. the last minute of the game whenever Milrow was able to drive down the field and, and hit Bond. And it was a fourth and 31. It was on a fourth and 31 play after multiple penalties to get them into that position that he winds up hitting him in the end zone with multiple people around him. Is Bama, the, Bama. The, the prayer the prayer in Jordan Hare was answered, but it was answered on behalf of Alabama Saturday. It was funny, it was it was it was uh hilarious because uh near the end of, of the Tennessee Vandy game, like in the last few minutes, all you saw all around the stadium were people on their phones watching the final minutes of this game. <laughs> up and down and up and down and just like, Oh God, Albert's got no I knew the Oh, God, yeah, they turned it over. We're done. Oh, yeah, man. we're down to the finals. Like, <laughs> like we're less than a minute. All you saw less was Vol fans Come on, in the last few minutes becoming Become Tiger fans. fans. Yeah. <laughs> Just watching on their phones. In Neyland Stadium. All here while Tennessee Eagle. continues to beat the crap like Nico got to play. Yeah. And most people were like, eh. But Auburn could beat Bama. Wow, I want to watch this because we got that new Wi-Fi in Neyland this year and everyone's <laughs> taking advantage of it, which i got to say, Nico looked great. There was one I was going to say at least somebody was watching it. Yeah, where we, uh, we were at a fourth and one, and Nico looks over at Hype and goes, I can do it. Let's go. I can do it. And he went and they sent out the punt team, and he was like, no, I – and like – he didn't leave the field yet. He was like, no, I can do it. And they were like, Nico, get off the field. Like, we're sitting on the punt team. And he was, like, seeing that, like, no, I can get us that one. Right. Like, that I, know, I know we're beating them, but come on. Let me I do. I can do it. Let me do. Let Nico We even go. got to see uh, Nico. Did Schuler come back Schuler out? Schuler did not, but the other senior uh, that was our third string, he, he got to run a couple plays uh, since it was his senior night. But, yeah, um, Everybody around Neyland just had their phones out. Like, yeah, 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 we, we beat Bandy. <laughs> we're, we're hoping Auburn wins. Everybody's just watching over people's shoulders who didn't have their phones out. And like, what's the boy? We right. got 34 seconds left. And then when Bama did what Bama does, you saw you collectively like could hear and see all of Neyland go, ah. Like just release frustration. All right, we'll watch the rest of our game. In the other few games that we wound up covering or that we wound up uh, having picks on uh, on the social media posts because we're uh, being able to get back into doing some actual recordings, um, we looked at Oregon, Oregon State, uh, North Carolina, North Carolina State. Lindsay State, baby. And, of course, Ohio State, Michigan. The game. I chose NC State over North Carolina. Got that one. NC State was able to pull it out. The Wolfpack took care of business. Oh. I, as well, chose NC State over North Carolina. Happily so. Which, of course, had at that point in time, uh, North Carolina started out of the gate really hot, but mm-hmm. in the latter part of the season just started falling off. But good news for them, I guess. Mac Brown is returning for another season in 2024. 
So we'll see what happens with the Tar Heels in the 2024 season. That is the favorite opponent for us down in Florida. Is uh, North North Carolina? Carolina. Oh, so a little bit more of a a border rivalry, Mm -hmm. but uh, orange versus blue as opposed to garnet versus blue. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's the favorite game is uh, one of the balls down in Florida. You'll have to bring Facing back North the, Carolina. You'll have to bring back the Pat Summit uniforms mm-hmm. back out. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Oregon is able to get the job done. Unfortunately, Bo Nix uh, has the better day than DJ Iwiungalele. Well, Bo Nix is forty years old, so <laughs> he gets older every every week. He just gets like five <laughs> years older. I picked Oregon to yeah. take care of business against Oregon State, even though I thought Oregon State would have had a decent chance. Um, the Ducks, the Mighty Ducks, were definitely going to take care of business. And depending on what happens during championship weekend, they're not completely out of the mix at this point and no. have a possibility for going in as one of the the top four for the playoffs. Um, and then this one. This is where we differed. You took Michigan. I, I took Ohio Michigan. State. Uh, I was definitely wanting Ohio State to do it, uh, but unfortunately, the Ryan Day is now zero and three against Michigan. The the Michigan quote unquote cheetah Wolverines. It's a it's a new type of spotted Wolverine. <laughs> They've got two mascots in Michigan now. <laughs> you got the Spartans and the cheetah cheaterines. 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 But, yeah, um, that was all about uh, Michigan's running game. They were able to take it to Ohio State with no issues whatsoever. Um, And unfortunate because, unfortunately for Ryan Day, is the fact that he is 40-0 or whatever against anybody not named Michigan. You know what? Has a flawless record against anybody but Michigan. What's crazy is he was on our favorite list before we hired Butch Jones. That's crazy. And we said crazy no to, think to about him, him and took Butch Jones. And took And Butch look at Jones. where Ryan Day is now. At the Ohio State, but not able to beat Michigan. It's the only person he can't tackle is Michigan. I had a thought about this the other day. This may be a hot take. This may be a conspiracy theorist type of take we haven't had one of those in a while all of the drama surrounding Harbaugh is a way to make it easier for Michigan and Harbaugh to part ways for him to go back to the NFL to become a coach of Vegas the Raiders oh wow I mean because it'd be way easier to part ways yeah if something like this and be like, you know, hey. But now, since they have beaten Ohio State, had they lost to Ohio State, that would make it that much easier. But since they were able to get They're the gonna victory find over it Ohio hard State, to sell. that's the thing. Especially if they how, beat Georgia. Yes. How, how, how at that point, regardless of everything that happened. How do you get rid of a. How a do you get rid of the guy that. Top four or national champion coach. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, somebody would have to come off of a, you know, like, open that checkbook wide to oh. be able to get him out of there at this yeah. point. Unless it's a situation where you with all the things the that surround him, that's, that's the other thing. We already talked about how toxic a fan, case, fan base can be whenever it comes to a coaching searches to begin with. Especially a losing fan base. Yeah. You have the winning fan base get turns on you. Whew. Right. 
And then, and then now, like in the situation that Alabama is going to face at some point in time, the situation that Georgia is going to face at some point in time, the benefit that Georgia has right now is Kirby Smart's not that old. Yeah. I mean, he's in his 40s. No, he's still got uh, longevity to be like a Nick Saban for Georgia. But and if you set if in you a few years, if you make history in going back to back to back oh they'll say you can stay as long as you want man they yeah they <laughs> they will probably be like okay you, you tell us when you're ready to leave right i mean he could be being pushed around or by that time they'll probably have professor x style yeah you know wheelchair for him to be able to get around especially like, with all the other why do you still have him he doesn't want to leave right he's our three-peat we can't get rid of him <laughs> you want to walk up and tell any fan that we're getting rid of our three-peat right <laughs> We'd get, they'd start barking at us. It could us. be 20 years from now, and we're not going to get rid of right. repeat. <laughs> but, yeah, in a, in a few years, if not one or two years, a few years, Bama's going to be in a really weird position. Right, because someone's going to have to come in and take over for the GOAT. At some point in time, yeah. someone's going to have to come into Michigan. And take over for Harbaugh. And take over for Harbaugh. Someone's going to have to take over for Kirby one day. Yeah, at some point in time, either Clemson is going to get so toxic that they throw Dabo out. Yeah. Or, you know. Or he leaves. Or he, yeah, he decides to leave. Yeah, or he's like, you know what, I think I can turn, you know, if if it's Tennessee firing a coach or if it's South Carolina firing a coach or if it's, you know, he may one day be like, I've done what I can at Clemson. I've done some great stuff. I, I I'm want on my a way out. Yeah. I want another challenge. I'm going to the Big Ten, or I'm going to the NFL, or I'm going to. So one day, these legendary coaches are going to be in a really weird situation, and so are the fan bases. The, the school and the fan base, yeah. yeah, and the fact that they're going to have to either allow or give give way to whoever this new person is coming in, or... And again, a person that I... Do not want to be, would not want to be that first person. The first after. person that comes in after. No, them. thank you. No, because you're going to have. There's not an amount of so money many in the comparisons. world. <laughs> like, I, I imagine. All right, you look and see all the graphics at like ESPN or Fox Sports or whoever puts up with all these crazy statistics. Oh, it's been 29 games since Georgia's lost. It's been. This many years since Clemson has not lost a home game, it has been this many years since this, South Carolina yeah, beat Clemson last year. Whatever it's the case, yeah, week. whatever the case may be, and you're going to have whoever it is the entirety of the year. In Nick Saban's first year, he did this. Well, after Nick Saban's first year, yeah. he was able to do this. After Kirby Smart's first but year, this Craig is the Robinson hasn't done what Nick Saban did in his first year. Okay, come on. If Craig Robinson comes out and becomes a coach for anybody, <laughs> that would be some fantastic, fantastic television. It would. They'd have him mic'd up every game. <laughs> you sacked a guy four times your size last week. I synced it. I synced it with my own eyes. But, yeah, uh, uh, and then I would be able to use one of my favorite lines and I'm disappointed in you, Craig Robinson. <laughs> uh, he could be a hype man. Be oh, a good yeah. hype man. Oh, yeah. I don't know about coach, though. Yeah. Well, guys, that is getting about 
time for us to wrap up this episode. The final cocky top of the regular football season. We are going about this coming Friday. We will be previewing championship games. Yes, it will be conference championship games. We've got several of them going on, mm-hmm. including Georgia versus Alabama for the SEC. Uh, you've got uh, Louisville versus Florida State for the ACC. Ooh, and a big one for you, Iowa versus Michigan. Yeah, Iowa versus Michigan. Um, Michigan has already come out as like a three-touchdown favorite over Iowa. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's insane at this point. Josh Pate actually already called this one. He called it exactly the way it was going to finish out. Uh, Oklahoma State taking on Texas for the Big 12. And people were giving him all kinds of crap. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Michigan versus Iowa for the Big Ten. Interesting stat about Iowa. Mm-hmm. They had one game, one, the entire year to where they scored more than 25 points. They are Big Ten West champions. They are 10-2. and two. And are number 17 in the country. But he didn't score. But did not score over 25 points in except Will they sanction game. him or fire him? No, he's done. He's out. Because he didn't do that one line because, of his contract. Because the, the score, the amount of points scored were not... Because, I mean, yeah, a defense can... can a defense is win championships. Well, yeah. But if you're not outscoring your opponent in any capacity, I mean, you can only hold teams to to a few points, you know. I mean, yeah. Without scoring any of your own and still expect to win. I mean, yeah, they did it ten times this entire year. But still, a 10-2 and two record, number 17 overall, uh, went 7-2 and two in conference. Big Ten West champions going to the Big Ten championship. And Michigan right now is a 23-point favorite over Iowa. It's insane. Um, wow. Pac-12, um, we have Oregon versus Washington. So it's going to be Bo Nix versus Michael Penix Ooh. in a repeat a of a game, game from earlier. And you were talking about that we were the one, the one that currently sits beside Washington's name. Is Oregon. Is Washington. Or the one that currently sits beside Oregon's name is Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a repeat of that matchup from earlier in the season. Speaking of Vegas, that is exactly where that one is going to be being played. Ooh. All the bookies will be at it. Yep. Uh, Changing their bets mid-second quarter, mid-third quarter, stuff like that. That takes care of Power 5. So we might actually wind up looking into some of these other games, like looking at the FBS 1A. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Conference USA, yeah. FBS Independence, the MAC, Mountain West, Sunbelt. We're going to probably get into some of yeah. all these different ones uh, to give you our thoughts as much as we have not Watched looked them. at any of these other teams throughout the entirety of the year. We will make our basis and picks Absolutely. strictly off of what their current record is and then go from there. But, guys, on behalf of All of All Tyler McDaniel, I am forever to the game. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, 
follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. Search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram, or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe, or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio, as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by the Tennessee Legend Distillery.